0: Welcome to episode 14 of the Civil War Breakfast Club. I am your co-host, Mary, and I am joined by the awesome Darren Week.
1: Wow, I don't know who this awesome Darren Week is, but hey. <laughs> also known <laughs> as
0: Tattooed Diva Braggart.
1: Yeah, I gotta be appropriate today. I gotta be appropriate. Yeah. You are Chathamama. Jeez, I wonder what we're about. My thing says brag and your thing mm-hmm. says Mama. I, I suppose we're talking about what? We might, be ta-
0: we might be talking about the Chattanooga campaign. Not Notice how we mm-hmm. didn't say the battles for Chattanooga. The Chattanooga Ooh, there's a, a
1: distinction. There is a distinction. This is going to be, dare I say, another multi-part episode, Mary? Yeah,
0: probably two, but it could possibly be three. We'll see Ooh. how it goes.
1: A three? A, a trilogy? A threesome? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that would
0: be a first for the podcast.
1: <laughs> EP Alexander did fight at this battle. so I He did. So it's possible. So, so it certainly did. Wow. Okay. Ooh, look at you coming in right up the bat. <laughs> anyway, so um, how's everything going? I haven't talked to you in uh, well, a little while. So how are yeah. things going? We had a good podcast last week. We would talk about yep. Sherman's match to the sea.
0: Yep, part one of um, that. Which part we one
1: pick. of that? So this is very confusing. Which that oh. actually
0: could become a threesome as well, <laughs> as we've talked about on social media. <laughs> Our three-parters are not going to be trilogies.
1: <laughs> no, no. no I, don't think, I guess not. Wow. Anyway, so we had a lot of fun with that. A lot of people listened to that. We had a fantastic yep. Facebook Live on Saturday.
0: Yep. Thanks um, to everybody who came out to that yeah. and who was with us for the, a lot of people were with us for nearly three hours, which was awesome. We had some great was discussion our long, going on. Our longest, on that was
1: our longest one, I think. And there was a lot of, lot of good talk. And I mean, we can mention we have the round table tomorrow, but. It'd be by the time this yeah, roundtable so, happens. So, so I hope everyone enjoyed the round table on Wednesday. It was a great <laughs> conversation. Thanks for everybody stopping by. Sorry what Mary said. I, it's embarrassing, but that's just the way it is. So, um, but but that's always a good time. So we're always going to do that for the third Wednesday of the month from six to seven. So we will definitely do that. Look out now, Mary. We're talking about Chattanooga. Nice. See you guys in there.
0: Very good. But what are we <laughs> drinking first?
1: Oh, that's right. Well, you with your priorities.
0: Well, Canadians first. All right. So I am drinking Hazy State from Collective Arts Brewing. And the reason I got this one was because it's got a half moon on it. And my second beer is Eclipse from Lost Craft, which also has a half moon on it. The reason I did that is because my boy O.O. makes an appearance tonight, but my mug is General George Henry Thomas, because he mm-hmm. also is involved tonight, too.
1: Ooh, yes. a double married general. Yep. I'm drinking Lucid Dreams Milkshake IPA, and it's a company out of Maine. Howard again, Maine. So exactly, Howard. And I'm drinking from my Abraham Lincoln mug. Two reasons. One, two days from now is the Gettysburg Address anniversary. And more importantly, I don't have a Thomas mug. So I have no choice. So that's oh, pretty I much I wanted what it to is. drink
0: out of a Howard mug tonight or a General Hooker mug tonight, you know, because they're both involved in the goings-on. i got to find a Hooker mug and a, and a Howard mug. You I know what? You I, a- I would drink out of a Braxton Bragg mug because then people would know when I was in a really fucking bad mood. Ooh, you? So, yeah. Bad so mood? then therefore you would probably say I would drink out of it all the time, right?
1: I didn't say that. That's... <laughs> That was not saying. Stop reading my
0: mind. I do have the General Mead mug.
1: We got a bunch of good mugs. I think we're gonna have some fun with this episode tonight. God knows it's another c-word battle campaign. <laughs> Chattanooga. We don't have to There you go. Chickamauga. We were up the battle a few weeks ago. This is kind of an extension of Chickamauga. This is the the Union strikes back. If you look looking at it, Star Wars terms yep. at this one, if you already yep. want to split it down. So, we're going to talk pretty much the beginning of it. We're going to lead up to it. And we're going to get to a point where we're going to stop off at a really, really good, literally a cliffhanger. Yeah. We have to pay attention. Listen to the end of this one.
0: I went into this thinking this is going to be. clusterfuck because that was what chickamauga was but Mm -hmm. actually i know we were talking about this before but some of these battles that are happening in the lead up to lookout mountain i understand them a lot better than other battles in the civil war for for whatever reason but like you and i were saying you know we were originally going to do this as just talking a little bit about lookout mountain but then we discovered that what we're going to talk about is like each Battle that happens is leading to Lookout Mountain.
1: What's great about this one is you think about Chattanooga, you think about Lookout Mountain, you think of Missionary mm-hmm. Ridge. Yeah. You know, you, you you think of the basics. You think the fighting above the clouds. You think of all the yeah. you know, like fantastic vista from Point Lookout overlooking the, the Tennessee River and the city of Chattanooga. Yeah. But what people don't realize, so maybe maybe people listening to this probably do realize, but there's so much that builds up to it leading up to all this stuff and again it's a situation where the union army puts themselves in what corner almost like a mini version of vicksburg a little bit in reverse
0: yeah
1: yep. um and we'll get into that about explaining how that worked out it again explains another screw up by your boy braxton it does it, it, you have to i mean but you know what though this one talks about a lot of things because this one if you look at the if you look at the the beginning of this battle a lot of people don't look good mary they don't and like the no. people you would think they look good like grant doesn't look good at this one no, you know, Grant, Grant actually
0: throughout this whole campaign, Grant and Sherman come out of it.
1: Like, yeah, this is- Sherman,
0: not so much. Yeah, this is the one campaign where... I come out of it thinking as much as I love and respect those two, they did some real dick moves to a couple of people, namely Hooker and General Thomas. Yeah, and
1: we'll, ta- we'll, you know, we'll talk about that. Hey, good point. We'll talk about that. Obviously, what's interesting about this as we get into more details is you almost have dueling dumpster fires on both sides exactly. with the generals. You've got the Union politics and the Confederate politics simultaneously swirling the bowl at the same time.
0: It's like two nighttime dramas. Think Dallas and Knott's Landing.
1: Oh, Knott's I was going to go Dynasty. You got to go Dynasty there, Mary. Well,
0: I went I went Knots Landing because it's like the, uh, it's the playoff of Dallas, right? Because Gary Ewing. I don't
1: think I know who you are anymore. going through
0: the whole brother thing.
1: Are you dancing?
0: No, 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 I'm not.
1: Okay, well, better get that looked <laughs> at. <laughs> we got that checked out then. <laughs> but anyway, so let's take a step back a little bit, okay? Where we left you a few weeks ago at the Battle of Chickamauga. So Longstreet pushes back Thomas, pushes back Rosecrans through uh, Chickamauga, back over the river into the city of Chattanooga. And so they stay there for a little while. They really go to build the defenses. And so what you have is you have William Rosecrans. He's going to build a three mile line within the city using the Union Works. Fort Negley and Fort Wood he's going to use the Confederate breastworks for lack of a better phrase he's going to Mm -hmm. pretty much move in he's going to hermit crab The breastworks is what he's going to do. What, unfortunately, his biggest issue is, and this is the biggest theme for this first half of this Chattanooga thing, is the supplies are screwed up right off the bat. So he puts himself into a corner where he's got very, very, very limited supplies. And more importantly, he has no real supply line. And we'll talk more in details. He's got the one supply line that comes through Walden's Ridge, which is about 60 miles away. And it's
0: fucking tough to get to. Well,
1: that's the thing. It's, It's a very misleading thing. It says Walden's Ridge. You think of cemetery. Prairie Ridge, this is a friggin' mountain, yeah, right. This is a gigantic joke with shitty roads. Anybody who's driven to Boston thinks Store Road Drive on a Friday Where's that's pretty much what this Canada? is. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. You know, the Eskimos and the uh, that
0: <laughs> well, they they sent Montgomery like Montgomery Meigs, Megs, how do you say his name? Because Eggs. Megs. Okay, good. He ends up going down there to check on how things are going at one point, and he's got to go over Walden's Ridge to get there, obviously, because that's the only way you can get into Chattanooga. And he said, I had no conception when I left Washington. I never traveled on such
1: roads. It's just a shit, Go through the mountains, real tough roads. You know, Rosecrans is still struggling with the loss of Chickamauga. You had that fantastic quote from Lincoln where he says he was confused and stunned like a duck hit on the head. a great quote. Great. You know, he was still having an issue with it. He's sitting there in Chattanooga now and he's obviously dazed and confused. Who knows what's going on, but his rations are low. He's having huge, uh, horses die, mules die. These soldiers are down to basically a couple of pieces of bread and like a quarter pound of pork every three days.
0: Yeah, they're on quarter um, rations by one point.
1: And the name it all. The guy in charge of the Confederate cavalry, guy, you know Joseph Wheeler. Mm-hmm. He's out there wreaking havoc. He destroys eight hundred wagons, burns yeah. them. You know the food, the supplies, Avon catalogs. Everything's gone. <laughs> so now Lincoln is sitting in D.C. Now he's oh shit. Now he knows he has to relieve Chattanooga. This isn't going to work. He orders Stanton, go get Joe Hooker, get his 20,000 men, get him to Chattanooga quick.
0: They were sitting in Lincoln's cabinet and Stanton is like, I can get those men there in five days. So he's going to send Hooker with my boy Howard's 11th Corps yeah. and Locum's 12th Corps. They're going to go by train to Chattanooga.
1: Wait, hold up, The Chattanooga choo-choo?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the uh, the one brewery that we're going to go to in Chattanooga, it's right next to where the Chattanooga choo-choo is. And I'm hey,
1: not sure. Is that the Chattanooga choo-choo? There's a song you won't get stuck out of your head. Thank you so much. Yeah,
0: thanks. I love Paul anyway. Miller, but thanks. <laughs> Stanton says, I can get these men there in five days. And Halleck is like, fuck that. It's going to take 40. What is he? Moses going through the fucking desert?
1: Oh, he's a, he's a government employee.
0: Of course, Is that what you think? Well, hey. <laughs> it's not Moses.
1: No, <laughs> not, a, it's not, a, not a Canadian government employee. I don't, <laughs> don't want to piss you off okay piss all those dq DQ employees and kim carden getting mad at me now if i make fun (laughs) of them so
0: hooker and hit the 11th and 12th core they end up getting to chattanooga in seven days so stanton i mean this is one area where stanton was like he does deliver i mean it's not the five days but it's not the 40 that halleck was saying it was going to be
1: no but if you're joe hooker i think at that point this is you know this is a few months after you know chances you got fired I, I think i would probably do it too oh same it. with
0: howard howard's probably like yeah i gotta redeem myself <laughs>
1: He was reading the Twitter and found out people are pissed at him about Chancellor's villains. I better get over there. That's what that's what Howard's. You know? But you know who but you know who else gets called to Chattanooga? Sherman. No. Who, yeah, yes, but who else?
0: Burnside they, does too. <laughs> we'll I'm all of,
1: like, who, who else is coming? Besides, Grant. Grant. <laughs> hey, you guys, Look at that. You got it. So, so, so Grant gets called there as well. And what's going to basically happen is, is Grant's going to come in. He's going to be made the military commander of the military division of Mississippi, for lack of a better phrase. He's, he's in charge of the West, but that's the official phrase for him. Grant shows up there on September 29th, tells Thomas what, what's the deal. Thomas has that great quote, I will hold this town until I starve. hmm so he was a big guy, so it'll probably take a
0: little while, yeah. probably realistically. But but, but there's the, the story of when Grant was on the train though, and he's handed right. those two mm-hmm. letters, right? Mm-hmm. And one is to keep Rosecrans in charge of the Army of the Cumberland, and the other mm-hmm. is to put Thomas in charge of the Army in the Cumberland. Therefore, mm-hmm. Rosecrans is no longer gonna be in charge anymore. Mm-hmm. It's Grant that makes that decision. Mm-hmm. Although I think in his memoirs, Grant might say, like, no, nah, I didn't do it. Stanton did it. It's like, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, but, and like, the two of them, I don't think Stanton or Grant wanted to make the decision. Well, I mean, if you make a mistake, you're
1: basically gone. That's how yeah. it was the era. Yeah. But there's a perception, this is what the, the person that Grant perpetrates, was that Rosecrans was happy sitting in the city. Mm-hmm. Wasn't going to do anything. And then it switched to Rosecrans was going to leave and it just, it was all messed up. Rosecrans actually with William Baldy Smith came up with the plan mm-hmm. for the supply line. It'll come out later on before that happens. Grant gets there. What does he do? Gets rid of him.
0: Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. Um, well, he does. Yeah. yeah. He picks the letter that is basically mm-hmm. Rosecrans has to resign. Well, not, I shouldn't say resign, but he he's gone. So, so Thomas is in charge of the army of the Cumberland at this point, mm-hmm. but then Grant and, Rosecrans have what probably is a fucking awkward meeting on the train. Yeah. The two of them didn't like each other that much at all. And, but that's where Grant finds out what Rosecrans plan was that he Mm -hmm. actually had a plan to open the supply line that as you, as you said, he had planned with, who was the engineer for the army of the Cumberland, which was uh, William Baldy Smith. They had it all planned out what they were going to do. Now there was one point where Rosecrans did send a wire to Washington that said, I don't know how much longer we can hold this. And that's what started making them paranoid, but it
1: said it's six days of rations.
0: Yeah, but but he never, like he said, I don't know how much longer we can hold, six days of r- rations. He never said he was going to leave, but I think the administration thought, shit, this guy's going to leave. But Ro- Rosecrans told Grant, I was never going to leave. I just need to figure out how to open up the cracker line.
1: Yeah, and the, the cracker line we'll talk about here in a little bit, but they're going to get rid of Rosecrans at the, the end of the day. They're mm-hmm. going to gonna move him out. U.S. Grant, he's got a habit of basically getting rid of people he sees as rivals, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he just does. But what's interesting about the Grant Rosecrans thing was clearly personal. It was clearly personal. People don't realize that Grant and Rosecrans were actually good friends back at West Point. Mm-hmm. There's that fantastic story where when they were both in school, the cadets pulled that prank on Grant, and they made him guard overnight a water pump. you got to guard this for the whole night. Oh, fuck. And and Rosecrans was the officer, was a cadet officer on duty. He comes up to him and says, what are you doing? He goes, they told me you have to guard this. He goes... Fuck that, go to bed. You just go to bed. You know, just there, fuck with you, go to bed. That began our strong friendship between those two. You know, you fast forward down to 1862 at, at Pittsburgh Landing, when Grant spoke of Rosecrans, he was a warm, personal friend, one of the most ablest and purest of men, both in motive and action. That's the quote that Grant used to describe Rosecrans. They were boys. I mean, they were they were great friends. John Rollins had st- said, and this, is what, this is according to Rollins, he says Grant told him that the only two officers he would ever serve under would be Sherman and Rosecrans. This is how close they were at this time. Okay? So this is high praise. This is going back and forth. It all goes south in the fall of 1862 at the Battle of Yucca. And they're going to attack uh, Sterling Price and about 12,000 rebels. Grant has Edward Ord and he has Rosecrans. Those are his two guys. They're going to attack something happens and it gets all fucked up where grant chain allegedly changes the battle plan but doesn't tell ord or rosecrans so they're both walking off ultimately what happens is they're waiting the confederates leave yuko on their own they just retreat whatever we're out of here they left but rosecrans he wrote an official his official report that he went 36 hours didn't hear a word from grant no one word 36 hours oh okay, my that's, three, that's, that's three days here in america i don't know how it is yeah. up there up there so that's a, that's a long time you have to so, factor
0: in the exchange rate on the money for it's, that.
1: It's probably like two and a half days. Yeah. So basically, Rosecrans writes, he says, you know, where in the name of God is Grant? They can't find Grant. He, there's no report. They can't find him. You know what they think he was doing? Yeah. Right? They think he was throwing back a little puzzle of cough medicine. Yeah. That's what they think he was doing. So the operation fails. Grant takes no ownership of it. Doesn't at all. He basically just says, at the end of the day, Ayuko was taken. There was no real battle. It was just taken by it. But then what happens, the reports come out that Grant was drunk and he was blacked out for three days. Okay. The report comes from a reporter by the name of William Bickham from the Cincinnati Inquirer. So right off the bat, nothing good comes from Ohio. We know that, right?
0: Grant's so, from Ohio. It's so Sherman. Uh,
1: okay. Well, see, this is where we're going with this, right? So, <laughs> so Bickham has a source that says that basically he was he was drunk the whole time
0: wow that
1: this gets put in the newspaper everyone assumes the source is who rosecrans because rosecrans guess what is buddies with this guy bickham
0: wow so
1: so he writes a story rollins has this quote and he says, I hope for his honor that he is not party to this hellish attempt to besmirch General Grant, but the evidence is such that he must be privy to the whole devilish scheme. So now Rawlins is saying, yeah, it had to have been Rosecrans. And then now what happens is the relationship goes really south really quick. And then Sherman, because they're close with Grant, Sherman basically mm-hmm. has a quote, he says, Rosecrans would sacrifice his brother if he stood in the way of his popular renown. So, th- so that's, that's the stuff that is in the background. With Grant and Rosecrans. Which is up good to, to know this. for this. Who knows? Rosecrans is probably an opportunist, there's no question about it. But if you're Grant and this is going on and you've got a chance to whack this guy for what he did, you're gonna do it.
0: Oh, absolutely. It. And Grant's got his own agenda by this point, you know. He's going to Chattanooga and he wants to in his head, he's got that he wants Sherman. He already knows he's going to bring Sherman down. He wants Sherman to have this victory. The victory can be on him, and the two of them can have it. I mean, I love Grant, but I think what we're going to see in these episodes that we we do about Chattanooga is that Grant is not a complete angel. <laughs> he's sort no, of a dick.
1: No, he, he definitely does. I mean, Grant gets there. First thing he does is that his priority is opening the supply line. It yep. has to, has to be it done. Be. It's got to be done, right? Absolutely should be. And so he takes the plan that Baldy Smith and Rosecrans come up with and yep. basically takes it and approves it yeah this is the famous cracker line plan so we'll talk more about that but before we do let's flip the coin and see what old braxton's doing
0: so braxton brag <laughs> we all know there's some drama with this And this is what i like i sometimes refer to this as being like it's like dallas like it's just it's that level of fucking Ooh, stupid two drama. dallas references today you got the cowboys the tv shows they're both messes the tv show which is one of my favorite tv shows the old dallas too I I love Jr. and Sue Ellen.
1: (laughs) And this trip to the early 80s is brought to you by the Civil War Breakfast Club.
0: After Chattanooga, like immediately afterwards, Bragg does have a chance. There is a window that he has that he could overtake Rosecrans and the Union Army, even though they are entrenched around Chattanooga. He doesn't do it. He's getting reports from his cavalry, Wheeler and Forrest at the time. You know, Forrest telling him we could do this, but he doesn't do it. So this begins a basically... I would liken it to a kind of figurative godfather purging of people go, that
1: don't go against the family business, Mary.
0: Yeah. Well, guess what? Bragg is about to do a huge purge. <laughs> he <laughs> certainly it, is. It begins on September 30th, actually. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about 10 days after Chickamauga's happened. You know, Bragg has this sort of quote unquote victory, but it's not really a victory because he hasn't driven, Rosecrans is just sitting there. He has not won the city, he's not taking it back and that's what he's supposed to do. Bragg does not like Nathan Bedford Forrest, but I mean, who does? I don't, <laughs> I think many people do. Bragg just doesn't like him because he thinks he's wandering around the countryside being the Jeb Stuart of the West, whatever, he's being a complete diva. So he takes some of his men from him and he also puts Wheeler in charge. And Forrest gets wind of this on September 30th and he's pissed. So he walks into Bragg's tent and he tears into him. And I had wanted to take what he said to him and try and put it in modern terminology. But I think when you hear it, you'll agree that it is best left in what he said to him on September 30th, 1863. Mm -hmm. This is what Forrest says. I have withstood your meanness as long as I intend. You have played the part of a damned scoundrel, and you are a coward, and if you were any part of a man, I would slap your jaws and force you to resent it. You may as well not issue any more orders for me, for I will not obey them. And I will hold you personally responsible for any further indignities you endeavor to inflict upon me. If you ever again try to interfere with me or cross my path... It will be at the peril of your life. That is the ultimate <laughs> "fuck you," SMD. Don't mess with me ever again.
1: It is kind of funny to hear Nathan Bedford Forrest say, "You were mean to me."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, was I mean, long enough
1: hope you didn't hit him with a pillow fight. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, no, I, 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 I'll just show myself out.
0: But just the fact he's throwing in this, like, if you're any part of a man, so I don't see you as being a man. Like it, it's kind of the ultimate insult you can throw at anybody. And after that, you don't hear much about Forrest in this campaign. Cause Bragg's like, whatever. He, Bragg just sees him as being gone. Doesn't have to deal with him. Mm-hmm. And that's setting the tone for what's going to happen. But yeah, I definitely wanted to start off with that one.
1: That's a good one, I mean, and Bragg I mean he has problems with so many people throughout this. you mentioned the big the purge I mean, this is a guy oh. um, he, he fires Thomas Hardiman for blames him for the failures at Chickamauga,
0: yeah, hes he fires, in
1: Polk. yeah, fires uh, Leonidas Polk sends him yep. off to Atlanta of all places. he sends yep. him to Atlanta well he arre- um,
0: he first he arrests Polk mm-hmm. and then after the purge happens, that's when he gets sent to Mississippi and then to Atlanta. But Hardy is gone by this point because he can't stand being around Bragg. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, it, it's a very common thing. I mean, fast forward to a couple of days later, October 4th, right? Mm-hmm. You've got 12 Confederate generals. They petitioned Jefferson Davis to get Bragg the F out of here.
0: Yeah. And they
1: were, you know, they, this is led by D.H. Hill and Simon Buckner. Yeah, He says, we we need to, you need to remove this guy. This guy needs to go in the corner and, you know, okay.
0: Yeah, go fuck yourself. And exactly. long, long street signatures on there. I think Breckenridge's is, yeah, as well as Claiborne's. Now one of the, uh, one thing I was re I read about Claiborne is the reason he signed it is because his men were so short on rations and he couldn't stand to see them suffering at they're eating an ear of corn a day that's why he did it and also to like claiborne i think was probably convinced by a few of the other generals who were like hey this guy's from ireland he doesn't understand the politics let's just tell him to sign this shit right because claiborne wasn't fully understanding what was going on yes yeah, sign here you get a free box of lucky charms yep. there you go. <laughs> oh give me that pen right now but yeah the point so, is, is like there's this petition that goes out jeff davis ends up coming to chattanooga to have a little bit of a Team building exercise. You know,
1: he's in Richmond, we assume, going to this, and he sees what's going on, and he gets this letter. He's like, You gotta be shitting me. Yeah. So he actually goes all the way to Chattanooga to go meet with these guys. Mm-hmm. And he sits and personally hears their complaints, every single one of them. And you know what he does after all that?
0: He pats nothing. Bragg on the head and says, it's okay. He does nothing. He lets, no. him, he lets
1: him deal with it. He lets, he lets Bragg retaliate against D.H. Hill and Simon Buckner. Yep. He, says, he sits there and says, well, you know what? You're still my guy. Do you know how pissed off that must have made those other guys and how embarrassed oh. they must have been?
0: Okay. So after this meeting, General St. John Liddell, who did not have a high opinion of Bragg at all, he goes to Bragg and tells him, dude, you need to calm down. So think of that Taylor Swift Swift song. That is the theme song of what is going on in the Army of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. You know the one I'm talking about? Thank God, no. You need to calm down. You're being too loud. Oh, yeah.
1: God, she's forgot about that. Yes, I'm sorry. I See,
0: I knew you were going to sing on this. I knew it was a matter of time. He tells... I just met you. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Basically tells... Bragg to stop the drama and Bragg is having none of that. He, he turns to Liddell and says, I want to get rid of such generals. Let them send in their resignations. I shall accept everyone without hesitation, except Mm -hmm. he doesn't get, get them. So this is when he starts to do his basically passive aggressive, figurative godfather purge. So Hyman and Polk are gone. Polk's going to Mississippi, eventually to Atlanta where he meets a bad end with some artillery. Mm -hmm. months hardy comes back dh hill ends up going to north carolina bragg takes some other men like someone like walker and he elevates them and then others he disperses their commands he demotes them and everything else he does all this underhanded stuff because he's just like whatever the fuck like there's he's at war more with his commanders than he is with the union army right
1: now And, and we'll find out as this goes on how little respect these guys had for him so when it's all said and done, he's left with the Army of Tennessee. He's got James Longstreet, who's got Lafayette McClaws, and Minka Jenkins, who's replacing John Bell Hood, who's still on the disabled yeah, list. William Hardy, he's got he's got John Jackson, who's replacing Benjamin Cheatham. Patton Anderson, he's got the great States Rats Gist.
0: <laughs> States and got, Rats.
1: Right? <laughs> and then, of course, the other Army's got John Breckinridge. So he's got Patrick Claiborne, Alex Stewart, Carter Stevenson and William Bates. At the end of the day, he's got about 50,000 guys. Grant's army is coming piecemeal. Sherman's still not there yet. Mm-hmm. But when he gets there, he's going to have Sherman, who's going to come with the 15th Corps, Frank Blair. He's going to have he's going to have the 17th. It's, two, it's the second division of the 17th. Yep. He's going to have Joseph Hooker, who's going to come, part of the army of the Cumberland. He's going to have OO, the 11th yes. Corps, uh, Howard. He's, he's going to have him. the 12th. Twi- you have 12th Corps with, with, with John, 2nd Division with John Geary. He's going to be mm-hmm. under Hooker. We'll hear about him here in a little while. Army of the Cumberland with your boy George The Rock Thomas. Yeah. Snow at the Rock is cooking. Fourth Corps with uh, Gordon Granger. 14th Corps with John Palmer. And then, of course, he's got a total of about 72,000 guys. Big Union Army. Big armies coming to the dance floor. They're slowly getting there. So Hooker, he's going to be the next one who's going to show up. The Sherman's going to be off in a little while. We'll hear about him in a little while. Yeah. So Hooker shows up. He's got the 11th Corps under. Uh, Oliver Otis Howard. Have you heard of him? Oliver Otis Howard?
0: No. I don't know if
1: you've ever heard of him. Might be my but...
0: favorite boy.
1: Yeah, he's a New England guy. Is he
0: from Maine? Yeah. So one mm-hmm. of my favorite New Englanders.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, it's good. You know. <laughs> obviously, obviously, Tom Brady's the other one. We talked about that. But Oliver Otis Howard, he, he, so he's going to guard the railroad station from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, to Bridgeport, Alabama, which is going to be the the road, the, the genesis of their supplies. That. Yep. So Bridgeport, Alabama is really important. 12, uh, 12th quarter on Slocum. He's going to be going to the Lookout Valley along with John Geary, which is gonna be very important when we talk a little bit later about some of the small battles that are gonna be coming up down the road. Yeah. So that's pretty much what's going on with that. You know, certainly weather did slow hooker. He finally made it, but we talked mm-hmm. about the conditions, the roads, he finally gets there. He basically is going to take him and he's going to work on this plan, this supply plan. So he's going yeah. to move him to Brown's Ferry, even though he's not even there yet, he's going to start moving these guys there. And we're going to talk about the Brown's Ferry here in detail in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But basically, what this is, he's going to send Brigadier General William Hazen and Brigadier General John Turchin to basically help open up this line. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a it's a fascinating story. It, it really, really is yeah. at the, if, uh, at Brown's Ford. So basically, if, if you. I've not been to Chickamauga, but uh, I've seen it. I've seen pictures. Okay, <laughs> so <I> could, <laughs> No, if you're standing and look on Brownsport is, is a, the Tennessee River on the left-hand side. So you go all the way to the left. It's really what's going to connect them to this supply line. They have to have it. And you're going to have some people guarding it. You're going to have William C. Oates from the 15th Alabama yeah,
0: is going to be guarding top. it.
1: Yeah, so later you know, the,
0: governor of Alabama
1: from Pott County, Alabama. Yeah, that's where he's from. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, they have to open up the Browns Ford. So, fast forward now to October 27, 1863. They're going to open this thing, they're going to call it the Cracker Line. Okay, they must have crackers. Yeah. Okay, so they got to open the supply line for the army because it's on the verge of starvation. So, basically, they're going to go to a place called Ross, Ross's Landing. Which is an old Indian name before the Cherokee kicked out of Chattanooga. That's that's where it was. That's where it was. Unfortunately, a little bit of a history there. General William Hazen, another New Englander, Mary. Mm-hmm. He's from Vermont. Big Ben and Jerry's guy. Yep, from Vermont. Okay, <laughs> they're basically going to be um, is going to be tasked to get there and help these these things. So they're going to get fifty pontoon boats again. The pontoons we keep hearing my pontoons. Yeah, in two big barges. They're going to take 1,400 Union soldiers in a bunch of supplies at midnight. They're going to put them on the boats, and they're going to put them down to Brown's Ferry, which is a little landing spot.
0: And that's Hazen's men that are going... This in, is Hazen's, right. Hazen's if, are going Church down there in the sh- pontoon. Yep. yep. Tur- right. Tur- 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 going to Tur- show up Tur- a little while.
1: overland across Moccasin yep. Point. Yep. So they leave at 3 o'clock in the morning. So they're on their way. They use the darkness. They use the fog to mask them. They're basically floating down the river right under the rebel cannons on Lookout Mountain. So... This, you know, you can call hyperbole, you can call it whatever you want. This might be the most important covert action in the entire Civil War, in my opinion.
0: It it is. I was listening to a lecture today about this, and they said this this Browns Ferry is what is setting everything off to happen for Lookout Mountain. And the other thing, too, to remember for this is whether... Is working in the Union Army's favor, much like it did for the New England Patriots the other night. But <laughs> much like oh, it will Christ, segue,
1: Mara. Nice segue. Yeah.
0: But much like it will for the Battle of Lookout Mountain as well, which we're going to talk about in the next episode.
1: Yep. And so basically it's it's one of those must-haves for the Union Army. They are starving, they're out of rashes, they have no, they have they have nothing to do. They have nowhere mm-hmm. to go. So they're stuck. So they're gonna basically with Chattanooga literally hanging in the balance for the Union Army. They're going to make this run. John Churchin, he's going to meet them there. He's going to march his guys overland. They're going to get to a place called Moccasin Bend, which is a bend that looks like a moccasin. That's yeah. why they call it that. Which is just on the bo- base of the bottom of Lookout Mountain. He's also going to have about 700 of Hazen's men that couldn't fit on the boats. I guess they couldn't all fit on the boat, so um, they must have played uh, musical chairs, and whoever's left over had to walk. That's probably what happened exactly. So they all meet there. They get to Browns Ferry. They're basically ferried across the pontoon boats. Now it's four in the morning. They're supposed to have some kind of signal fire and it doesn't happen. It's not a perfect world. But they were able to establish the beachhead at Browns Ferry. That's the important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're getting them all there. 23rd Kentucky, U.S. Infantry, basically is on the east side and the west side of Browns Ferry. And within about an hour, they have this whole beachhead set up. So now they got something set up. Just beyond the beachhead, Sleeping is William C. Oates, yep. who finally stopped running from Little Round Top. So to that final, thats where he ended
0: up. Okay. <laughs> Yet he claimed <laughs> that if he could have taken Little Round Top, the Army of Northern Virginia would have won Gettysburg and would have won the Civil War. Oh, there's no question. Absolutely slim dunk.
1: No lost cause there at all. Yeah. But absolutely would have happened. So. <laughs> They literally catch him sleeping, the 15th Alabama. So he's, to your point, Is a future governor of Alabama. Interesting guy, you know, William C. Oates. Yeah, yeah, um, he is. Do you know what he, this is going off the track a little bit about him. Oh, but wow. you know, he grew up in the countryside in, yep. in Pike, Alabama. And he, you know, he learned to read, became a lawyer. Something happens where he was working at his father's pub one day. And he beat this guy upside the head with a stick and thought he killed him. So he'd left, left town. He ended up down in Texas, of all places. Mm. And he got either gambling or drinking. He got in a fight with some local gun dealer. or some, And he was going to like, Jeez. oh, get up at dawn, okay, corral shootout, like Biff Tannen. And, <laughs> right? On it, he really was. Apparently, the night before this duel, somebody got down to him and said, the guy you hit, it didn't die. You're not wanted for anything. You can get back. And so he came back, which is probably pretty good because the guy he was going to fight was like a really good, wow. I don't know what the phrase is, but like an Aaron Burr type situation. So he might've got killed that next morning. So he finally gets back, forms a local militia mm. and ended up being climbing through the ranks of the 15th Alabama. That that's He ended up becoming a lawyer and the governor, but that's that's his whole story. So there you go. So basically he ends up Again, having a tough time with this. Oates hears Hazen's men arriving. He's got like a couple hundred people. He's got three hundred people against fourteen hundred now of Hazen's guys. So I'll let you do the math on that one. But it doesn't end too too well. Mm -mm. There's a really cool story where because it was really early, they couldn't see. He didn't want the Hazen's guys to see the barrel flashes. Yeah. So he would tell them, do not shoot until so you put the barrel right against the stomach yeah. of the guys.
0: Yeah, I and heard that today right? in a lecture, and it was like, holy fuck, <laughs> the hell. So
1: he, he would wait. It reminded me a lot. You know what it reminded me a lot of was the Iron Brigade at Herb's was in Gettysburg. Yeah. They said, yep. right, same deal, but not to the stuff. They would stick the gun right in your belly and then shoot because they didn't want to see the flash, the muzzle. The good news is it didn't work too, too bad because it didn't really matter. Oates himself gets shot in the thigh. You know, he gets yeah, and ends up 50th it does fall back. Hayes's men does strengthen and does open the supply line. So they finally open up the cracker line right there. In my opinion, just my opinion, you're probably right, but still my opinion, okay? The second they open up the cracker line, the battle's over. Oh, China it, is. Done. it, it over. is. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Right, everything from that point is a waste of time because once the supply line was opened, the union was not losing that battle.
0: Well, this is like Brown's Ferry. I say, you know, it's not only a victory for the union with opening the supply line, but it's where Braxton Bragg he realizes how truly fucked he is because the union goes from a quarter ration to a third to a half Mm -hmm. to two thirds to full very quickly. They get back up to where they need to be. And I mean, even though, go- like, they call it the cracker line after hard tack. And even yeah. though it's the hard tack, they've never been more happy to have that. But not only that, they can finally start feeding their animals again, too. Mm-hmm. Because when Grant arrives in Chattanooga, he sees all these dying mules and horses. And that's when he realizes that something needs to be done really, really quickly. So they can start not only feeding the men, but they can start feeding the horses, which are, they're,
1: of, they went from too. feast to famine. I mean, there was yeah. an ice cream truck they had. Imagine the guy chasing the ice cream truck They must have <laughs> been so happy seeing that. They had a chocolate fountain spraying. That they, had, they had everything more for them to do without this crack of opened up. So Bragg and Longstreet, now they're like, well, this whole thing is a mess now. So they end up re- meeting up at a place called Sunset Rock. They're going to discuss their next move. And they have to decide what they're going to do. It's going to lead to the next phase, what's called the watch... Um, the Wahashi, Wahashi, point, Wahashi, which Wahashi. the Wahashi. So that's which just, is a I, night I know, battle. It's a night battle. Yep. And we'll talk about that. The, the Union's got the initiative now. They got the supply line. Now mm-hmm. they've got a beachhead. They're in a place now where they have a great, right, where Marcus and Bend is, they have cannons there that they can shoot these guys. So there's these great stories about how the, the, the Confederates would have to run across between fires or artillery just to get across the fields. They timed yeah. it so they wouldn't get hit. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the sprinkler when you're in the front backyard yeah. trying to run around. And so it, it, it's the, the all the initiative now in the strength is on the Union. So Wahachi comes. At this phase of the battle, the pre-lookout mountain phase of the battle, this is the part that is, is really their last shot to try to push them back.
0: Yeah, and this meeting between Longstreet and Bragg is really, really tense. This is where Liddell comes in again because he rem- he recorded what it was like being there. And actually, E.P. Alexander was there as well.
1: He must have brought his balls.
0: He did. <laughs> but anyway, Liddell was there and he said that Bragg was not at all happy with with Longstreet because the at Brown's Ferry, Bragg had no idea what was happening, but he was mm-hmm. aware of Hooker being at Bridgeport and he had ordered Longstreet to move additional units into Lookout Valley to cover that shit and mm-hmm. Longstreet ignored it. So Bragg is going up there to meet with Longstreet about what to do next, but also to chew a strip off of as well. So finally, Longstreet's like, well, I could just attack at night and Bragg's like, well, fine, fucking do it then. Yeah.
1: So he's going to attack at night. This is this is two days after Browns Ferry. So now it's the 29th right 10 29 18 yeah, 60, 28 18,
0: 28 wouldn't happen, 28
1: okay yeah. right around there well i guess at midnight the 29th so there okay yeah
0: so that's well, so what i said i said 28 29th we'll just move
1: on <laughs> fucker <laughs> wow <laughs> this is not even alive live video hit me with that impressive yeah. anyway so what can we talk about wahachi now yeah we can practice all day to say this thing correctly okay so this couple days after Brownsbury, to your point it's going to be a no, it's going to be a nighttime effort to get them off the northern end of where they are yeah so you're going to have law okay our friend from gettysburg again okay and you're going to have Micah jenkins who we mentioned before is the one who replaced john bell hood mm-hmm. but jenkins isn't even there it's going to be a guy named john bratton who's yep. going to be commanding so a bunch of south carolinian guys and what they're going to basically do is they're going to take their two divisions they're going to cross over the northern tip of Lookout mountain Uh, They're going to cross Lookout Creek. They're going to have three total brigades that are going to be kind of kept in reserve here. So you're talking about Rock Benning, Georgian, right? Jerome Robertson, Texans, who, again, guys from, like, the first Texas and those guys from Gettysburg again. And you're going to have Lawsville Brigade of Alabamans, okay? They're going to stay in the hills. What they're going to do is they're going to attack with Brad. They're going to attack with one brigade, and they're going to leave these three, ideally, to catch them, the Union, when they're escaping. Yeah. I'm not sure why they did three and one, but it actually almost worked. So Bratton's gonna be move, he's gonna move just north of the Wahachi Pike. Where this place is gonna be is where John Geary's gonna be. So John Geary's got a small little group, mostly Pennsylvania guys, some New York guys, but he's got four guns. They're on a ridge. Okay. Now what's interesting about this is they're warned by a local woman Mm -hmm. that the rebs are gonna attack that night. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how the hell she knew. The ironic thing about that is her house ended up getting taken down and used for firewood after the battle. So they yeah. took her house down. So they're, they're, they're no good deal goes on punish, I guess, right? So so she warns them there's going to be a night attack from, from this woman. So the troops are going to sleep on their arms. They're going to be ready to go. 29th Pennsylvania has their pickets. They set up around a full circle around Geary's men. You can see me doing the circle. So you know that, so you know it's legit. A guy named Colonel Rickards is going to be the guy, and around right around midnight or so, the pickets start to fire. You start to get a pop, pop, pop yeah. you know, of the guns. So it's like the the Rebs are about to attack. So brand South Carolinians attack. They move out in this open fields, and it's it's lit. it's midnight. It's late. It's dark. The street lights are off. So you can't see Time to anything. go home. <laughs> it's time to go home. You're like, oh, come on, kids. Lights are... You know, the only light they see, again, are these, these muzzle flashes. So again, it's another example of night fighting in the Civil War. So yeah. the second time we've seen this now, early morning, late in
0: night. In this area. Too. Right,
1: exactly. First South Carolina, they start to take heavy casualties. They realize they're completely unsupported. So right off the bat, this thing's not working out. The timing's not right. Mm-hmm. They have another group called the Palmetto Sharpshooters. They're supposed to probe the right of Geary's line and they're late. Uh, Hampton Le- Hampton's Legion, supposed to extend the Fifth South Carolina line, and they're late. Basically, you're left with the Second South Carolina binding the left of, of, of Geary's line. And what they do is they ultimately find the story we talked about before, before we started. They find all the wagons, yeah. and the wagons are unattached to the animals. Yeah. So all the all the mules and all the animals are unattached. They're just hanging around. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Second South Carolina invades them, charges yeah. them. And what happens?
0: There's a stampede. (laughs) There's a stampede. (laughs) Stampede by these mules, and there's a um, there's a rumor that goes around the Union camps afterwards that um, this made the rebels believe that they were being attacked by cavalry, and there was a poem written about it Mm -hmm. about these mules. Um, But it was also said that they were breveted as horses afterwards
1: yeah it was, it's actually Such a good an awesome story, story. Such it was but oh so cool but the, but all, all the teamsters took off they ran away yeah and they ran through the line of the 149th new york which is one of the guys who i don't know if he's one who wrote that poem but i think someone told yeah, him something was, from new york someone, wrote the poem and it was based right.
0: off another poem right
1: right i forget how the details that but it wasn't I, the guy who wrote it wasn't actually there it was someone who told him about it yeah it was like there was like the separatist keep you know Kevin Bacon, degree of separation so Like the telephone like
0: game, it, you don't know yeah. it when it finally gets you know, to you.
1: you. You know who else is there? It's 137 New York. Yep. Speaking of Gettysburg, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they are going to protect the, the left side of the line.
0: Yeah.
1: Bratton's attack, like many of these attacks, is all disjointed. First South Carolina withdraws. We mentioned Hampton's legions and the Palmetto sharpshooters. They get there staggered late, and that doesn't work out too well. And this is the time of the battle after a while, like in most battles, you start to see these guys run out of steam. The, yeah. the, the, fuck, the fuck this hits at some point, and that's pretty much what happened with these guys. It was right at this time when remember I mentioned those four guns. Mm-hmm. This is Knapp's Battery, the Fourth of pen, the, the Pennsylvania. They're on they're on the ridge, and they're mm-hmm. going to start firing. Now here's the problem: they're on a ridge. In front of them is their own guys, and then beyond them is the fields, this wheat field, this cornfield thing, yeah. where where the uh, South Carolinians are. So they can't use canister. Mm-hmm. because they're, they're too close. They have to use case shot. And so there's all kinds... So they have to use case shot. They have to use short fuses. And basically, you end up with a lot of Pennsylvania guys getting hurt because of the, the friendly fire. So just picture the the can the things exploding, getting their own guys. Mm-hmm. That's basically kind of puts a stall to that. You know, Hooker's up the street at Browns Ferry. He hears what's going on finally. He must have woke up.
0: Yeah, so who yeah does, that's who where does, the 11th so, Corps is. Yeah, I was going to say, who does he send? He, well... He doesn't tell Howard what he's doing. He sends Schurz. Mm-hmm. And who else?
1: Von, von Steinwehr.
0: Von Steinwehr. Von Steinwehr. Steinwehr. Fresh off, off the ghost tours at Steinwehr Avenue, apparently. <laughs> not Von Schimmelfucker? <laughs> no, he, he is not here today. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Howard does eventually get there, though. H- Hooker finally is like, fine, you can go for some Calvary. Because when yeah. he sends Schurz, like it's an absolute clusterfuck. Like somebody starts going along the wrong road and all this other stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. just – but the fact that Hooker goes over Howard, like he totally does what – you're supposed to go to the commander first and say, Mm -hmm. can I send? And Hooker is just basically like, F that.
1: But they're going to come, though. They are going to come. But you know what's going to happen? Were those three brigades I mentioned before that were held in reserve? yeah. There, it's the place that would later be called Smith and Tyndall Hill. They're going to get them. So, you're going to have the, the three brigades left. You're going to have that the Alabamans, the, the Laws old brigade, uh, Jerome Robertson's Texans, and, and Rock Benning's Georgians. They're going to basically be there They're going to block the 11th from basically arriving. Yeah. So, the one thing they did do right was that. Unfortunately, Bratton hears the fighting. Okay. He's, he hears what's going on. He gets a message delivered to him that says, Roll them up. We're out of here. Let's go. Yeah. They end up withdrawing. They back over over Lookout Creek, yeah. To, and, yeah, to Lookout Mountain is
0: where yeah. they end up going.
1: Yeah, so they get over there. So it's nighttime. It's, it's turning into dawn. It goes all night, all night long, just like Lionel Richie would say. Brand South Carolinians lose about fifteen hundred guys. I mean, they out of the fifteen hundred guys, they lose three hundred, so they lose they lose quite a bit. Howard's then going to link up with Geary in Browns Ferry and help. And what he's going to do at that point is he's going to help strengthen that line to protect for the future attack. So so now you got a really really strong wahatchee you have a really strong browns ferry and you really stabilize again that cracker line and you push them back and you push the confederates back and yeah. now really and like
0: we said before the battle the battle's over that shit can at that point it's oh gone. yeah once the cracker line is open like you said you know it, it it's over and each of these things the reason we wanted to talk about them is because they are important stepping stones into what is going to happen you know like for instance like after wahatchee Longstreet is gone he's headed back east
1: well you know where he's going first though right knoxville He's going to Knoxville. I what's going on in Knoxville, right? Burnside. So, so Burnside, Ambrose, old Ambrose Burnside is up there, and he's going to basically defend a, a rail line. It's going to be a problem for the Confederates because it's going to affect their supply line. What Bragg wants to do, he's going to send Longstreet, who he hates in its addition by subtraction, and Longstreet's mm-hmm. like, yes. But Jefferson Davis wants him back in Virginia. So he's like, why don't you – Knoxville's on the way. While you're there, why don't you stop by, beat Burnside, then come back. We'll, we'll have a good time. So he's going to go back there. And that's going to create another issue that's going to help ultimately set up Lookout Mountain. Yep. Right? Exactly. What's going to happen is now, is Bragg now concerned about this Burnside situation. Yeah. He's going to send Longstreet. So now he's like, well – I bet a some clayburn I a bit some buckner now too.
0: Yep, and that's what he does and that's which right. that's another thing that is starting to lead to lookout mountain and this yeah. is what leads to Orchard Knob which is November the 23rd. When you call me. Anyway, so, so he's going <laughs> so he's so clayburn and
1: buckner are going to be uh, around. That's 11,000 guys. Now just keep run the math here. They started with 50,000 guys. Yeah. They're purging guys not just because of Casualties, but they're sending people away. He's going to send 11,000 of Claiborne and Buckner's guys out now. Grant, now, now, Grant's like, What the hell's going on?
0: Now, he sees they see them marching away, right. and he's like, What the fuck is he doing now? He's he so, Longstreet go, and now he sees Claiborne go. And now he sees yeah. Buckner
1: go. He's like, All right, something's afoot at the circuit yeah. K.
0: So, General Thomas orders General Thomas J. Wood. Who, if you'll remember from our episodes about Chickamauga, he's the guy that got that unfortunate order to fucking move his division, which caused the breakthrough, which Longstreet went through, which is odd that he's now trying to get back at Longstreet. So he orders Wood to go do some reconnaissance work and their objective is going to be this spot called Orchard Knob. So what happens here is Wood gets up there, Sheridan is going to protect Wood's flank and Howard's 11th Corps, my boy OO again makes an appearance, He extends the line to the left. So there's 20,000 Union soldiers up here. And around 1.30 p.m., 14,000 of them are just going to move forward and stun 600 rebels and drive them away. And Orchard Knob becomes the headquarters for Grant and Thomas for the remainder of the battles for Chattanooga. Bragg all of a sudden changes his strategy. And as Claiborne is getting his men on the train, he gets a message that says, Dude, you need to come back. (laughs) Get back on
1: Missionary Ridge. Anybody within one day's march, get your ass back. <laughs> Claybird is probably what like, says. "Fuck." Claybird's on the train going, "Fuck Jesus!" I guess I left. You know, so he's so he's got to get back. So now now everything's kind of moving in flux again. So now everyone's coming back. So they're coming, they're going. Again, it shows that whole miscommunication thing. But what's interesting about orchard knob, and this is one thing that's kind of funny, is it starts off with a reconnaissance. So Thomas Wood does his reconnaissance.
0: Yeah, they
1: view the Rebs about two thousand yards away. Now he's going to bring Sheridan up. To Woods' right flank, and then he's going to have Howard extend the less Like you mentioned a few minutes ago, yep. they got twenty thousand guys there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what? So I mean, obviously, it turns in from a reconnaissance mission more to a, a disruption mission now.
0: Yeah, you need to get right? the fuck off of this area because we're taking you know, it, and we have more so, men than you.
1: So this is the twenty third, so of of November. So at one thirty p.m. There are fourteen thousand. Are going to attack the Rebs, and they're going to hold the ground. And the, ironically, if that ground where they attack is going to become Grant and Thomas's headquarters, headquarter, mm-hmm. yeah. the about too, yeah. right? They end up moving. He moves. He moves. William T. Walker from Lookout Mount to Missionary Ridge. And all this time, they still don't know what Sherman's doing. Bragg doesn't know if Sherman's going to Knoxville. Bragg's pretty convinced he is going to Knoxville, mm-hmm. but instead, well, right. Yeah, Sherman's like in
0: actually, Chattanooga at that point, but right, they just don't right. know where he's going. They just
1: don't, right, so they don't know where I he's mean, going. I
0: mean, so. gr- he and Grant have a plan to where he's going to be going on the 24th. Right, but Bragg, I mean, doesn't know where he's going. He, I mean, he no. doesn't know
1: He doesn't know where Sherman's going. He's, yeah. He still thinks he's probably going to Knoxville, but now they don't know. So Bragg's going to move. He's going to take Hardeen. He's going to he's gonna command the right flank. He's going to have Carter Stevenson on the left flank. And Breckridge is going to be on the center. And then you know what happens? The union plan changes again because of another freak in nature, which is going to change the whole battle, right?
0: Yep, it does. which is
1: which, which oh. is when Sherman is basically going to be coming back. One of his uh, guys is Osterhaus's division. Yep. The boats break. Mm-hmm. The pontoons break, and they get stuck. It's like Ebenezer Creek, sort of. Most of the armies on one side of the river. Osterhouse can't get across. Now yeah. he's stuck there. So Grant decides, well, I'm going to take your troops. I'm going to take you from Sherman. I'm going to put you with Hooker now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Hooker is going to YOLO it. And say, I'm going to go up Lookout Mountain.
0: Yeah, he is. And what happens is Hooker has been initially told by Grant, you know, to do a demonstration around Lookout Mountain in an attempt to start to drive the rebels off there to maybe scare them off because there's, Stevenson doesn't have that many men up there. But Hooker also doesn't have the men to do a full-on battle. Now in Grant's original order, he does say basically the whole, if practicable, you can do Mm -hmm. the demonstration Hooker wants to do a demonstration. You have to keep in mind, like Hooker has finally come out of his concussion that he was in and he's wanting to redeem himself from what has happened at Chancellorsville. Mm-hmm. There's two people at this battle that are wanting to do that, Hooker and Howard. Mm-hmm. So with what happens with Osterhouse, that gives Hooker enough men to be able to do a full on battle. And that's when Hooker, when that happens, when Osterhaus is given the order to go join Hooker's men. That's when Thomas tells Hooker, the general commanding, meaning General Grant, directs that you endeavor to take the point of Lookout Mountain. Mm-hmm. And that's all because Hooker needs.
1: Yeah, all because Osterhaus, the boat's like, yep. we are going to talk obviously more about Lookout Mountain in part two of the uh, this extravaganza. But it just goes to show again how fate can change anything, right? Yep. How... The fact that Chattanooga is very foggy is going to help them to take Browns Ferry, right? It's going to help Hazen's guys. It's, exactly. going to, it's going to mask them. The fact that the whole point of the beginning part of the battle was getting pontoon boats to get supplies, and they were benefited by the pontoon boats break. You want to go to a casino with anybody. You want to go with these guys at Chattanooga. do <laughs> uh, You want to take Osterhouse? Okay. Because you'll win the house
0: with Osterhouse. So <laughs> I'd be taking Osterhouse and Hooker, because then I'm guaranteed a good time.
1: Oh, gee, well there you go, <laughs> right? I'll just, I'll just stay home and hang out. Do you have a good time? <laughs> but you know, but, but basically, it's, it's, it, but it's just one of those things where, again, anything that came after Brown's Ferry is complete window dressing because that was it. Yeah, and Brown's what, what, Ferry was
0: what set it all off to happen.
1: It did, because once they got it armed, and once they got the supplies, it was done. Should Bragg have taken off at that point? Yeah, hindsight being your benefactor, certainly. Yeah. Um, I think he knew the writing was on the wall, because he really had to, I mean, Bragg, going back to Bragg, he only had two choices. He could either frontal attack, or he could siege. He chose siege, which is probably the right call at the time.
0: It was half-assed, though. Right. Yeah. Well, He's not like fucking it, sieging them. He's not sieging them in the same way Grant did. He's not bombing the shit out of them, and no, they're not—they're not using the wallpaper for newsprint. No, I think part of it though is I
1: don't think that Bragg wanted to bomb one of his own cities. I think that was part of it. Mm-hmm. I also think that he saw those mountains and realized that if I could have Wheeler and I can just terrorize the one road, they're not going to get their supplies. Mm-hmm. I think I think the whole thing changed when they were able to push off the 15th Alabama those guys off yeah. of off of Because yeah. that 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 changed the whole thing. No. And at that point it was it it wasn't a siege anymore. Now it was a battle. You're yeah. still outnumbered. You're still, you know, you're still by 20,000 guys. You're outnumbered. And now you're still sending your guys off on a fun run still. They're all so all over the place. They're all spread out. You got Breckenridge who was pissed that he was in his location. He didn't like that at all. Mm-hmm. Stevenson's mad because he's on Lookout Mountain. He hated that location because it was vulnerable. You have this constant infighting. And throughout the entire thing is Longstreet, who mm-hmm. is ignoring Half the orders, right? It was funny about Longstreet here. Is isn't this a pattern with him now at this point? It is. It is. It's showing a pattern. (laughs) I mean, you're starting to see a pattern with Longstreet. He's (laughs) like, what the hell? You know, he isn't a general of the army. He's a pissed off temp in the accounting department at this point. (laughs)
0: That's who he is. Right? He's like, he tells Bragg what to do. He he suggests something to Bragg after Chickamauga. He's like, okay, we need to do this. We need to do a whole movement thing, and Bragg is like. No, that that's really dumb. And Bragg was right for once. Yeah. Yeah. And then and Longstreet was just pissed off at after that. And then at Browns Ferry, Bragg went to him and was like, Okay, I know where Hooker is. Could could you move your troops there? And Longstreet is like, Nah, nah, I I don't think I will. Oh yeah. But you saw it on the Union side. You, you you see Sheridan, I mean not
1: Sheridan, you had um you had old Uncle blingy <laughs> you yeah. know, Sherman. He's ignoring Thomas's orders. Oh, he's yeah. Like, he, he's up there doing his railroad thing, you know. And, and Thomas is like, just, could you fucking not and get down here? You get your ass down, oh, you know, we'll see. So there's a lot of that. But I, I but I think the moral of the story was Longstreet clearly didn't want to be there. No. I mean, he wanted to get back to Virginia so we can beat a Virginia and show Lee he do not want to be there either. That's the other thing. Yeah. But this is twice now, you know, within about a four-month period where Longstreet again – just doesn't listen to orders and he doesn't take any ownership and then he blames people. So it's, what I'm saying is, look, I like Longstreet. I think, I he's, I think he's a good journal, but there's a pattern with this mm-hmm. guy now. I mean, it just, it just is. And so it's like drama um, follows him. And that's the one thing, I will say that's the one thing that Lee didn't have. He didn't have a lot of this publicly anyway. You didn't have people writing a petition to get General Lee removed.
0: No, well, I mean, if like right? where there's Braxton Bragg, that's why I say it's kind of like Dallas. It's like, it's the ultimate, because Dallas brought the ultimate level of drama. Braxton Bragg and the AOT is the ultimate level of drama in the Civil War, Like, especially like, they, thought, this.
1: like they thought Bragg died and they saw him in the shower at the beginning of the next season. Yeah, that's like exactly
0: that. it. They're like, oh shit, he's back. <laughs>
1: And the whole thing was a dream?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Have we won? Maybe we've won.
1: Oh, wow. I guess I could order that quartermaster order now and not turn, it, <laughs> turn myself down. But I, th- but I think the moral of the story is you took a Union army that was led by Rosecrans, who was in some sort of shell, some sort of PTSD situation coming out of Chickamauga. hmm Grant comes down, you wanna say saves the day, because he kinda of did take Rosecrans' orders and yeah, plan. And he,
0: yeah, and he he, he took, took credit, he took it as his own credit for um, him. Yeah. That's he, shitty. And he did.
1: But but again, you know what? It all worked. Because at the it end did. of
0: the day, we
1: don't want to give away the story because next week we're gonna be going back to the second half of Ch- of Chattanooga. Yeah. But there's, there's a pretty good chance it's gonna turn out pretty well for the union. At this yeah. point, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. I think it's a good place to drop off, Mary. We'll leave these guys where they are. We'll leave the Confederates position themselves on on, Look on Mountain and on Missionary Ridge,
0: mm-hmm.
1: setting up a defensive situation. And we'll yeah. leave uh, Joe Hooker getting ready to attack Look on Mountain, getting ready to redeem himself
0: for Chancellorsville. Yeah, because he's got and- Osterhouse now. Which I just want to add. So, I mean, I completely agree with you about Browns Ferry. That is the most important thing to happen in this. But the second most important thing is Osterhouse. Well, it just out Osterhouse. You cannot have Lookout Mountain. No, it would have been. And you wonder how that would have happened. What what they would
1: have done? Yeah. You have to think Sherman's original plan to attack Missionary Ridge. What if that would have been their plan? Mm-hmm. They would have attacked a fortified, strong Confederate position. I mean, it could have been a cold harbor all over again. It could have been a slaughter. Exactly. Yep. But but, but because the pontoon boat sank and Osterhouse couldn't get across the river, he goes with Hooker, and Hooker really redeems himself. And we'll talk more about some of the things that grant does that don't redeem him, that yeah, don't exactly make us. look good. We're going to talk
0: about Lookout Mountain in the next episode and, and what yeah. else goes on. And probably so, well, obviously missionary Ridge too. This might end up, as I said, becoming a threesome. Oh,
1: know? well, i to leave that. Yeah, we'll be. see how that goes. Yeah. It could. We'll be. see how that goes. Nothing better than a threesome with old Braxton Bragg. That's for damn sure. Thanks for, thanks for that. Thanks for that future. That's, yep. what, no, that's why we don't call you nightmare for nothing. That's not for sure. But anyway, that's a great place to, so to drop off so we will yep. watch it now look out for the next episode and see if we can make a mountain out of a molehill going into exit <laughs> two of chattanooga so what
0: do you think yep. huh what do you think i think that's a good place to drop off for tonight I so thank you all for listening.
1: listening thanks for all putting up with us so again we will have our live this will drop saturday morning Yep. um and we will have our live on 10 o'clock a.m on saturday talking about this and so whatever you feel like talking about we expect to talk about a fantastic roundtable that's mm-hmm. going to be happening. So definitely hope hope you enjoyed that because it'll be in the past tense when we do this. Yep. We will get back at this again next Tuesday to talk about the second half or the second portion, depending on how we want to do this. Yep. We'll, we'll go forward with that. But hey, good talk. Always a lot of fun talking awesome. about the, uh, our old friends back in the Civil War again. So yep. any party words for you?
0: No, just thanks everyone for your continued support with this. And yeah, we will definitely see you next week for some more of Chattanooga.
1: We will. Excellent. So we will talk to you all soon. All right. See you guys later. Peace out. Bye.